Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Welcome back to the Best Life Podcast. Super pumped to be talking about food obsession today. So this is Jill. I'm on by myself today. Hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the last episode where Danny J and I talk about our history with food obsession, all or nothing dieting, a black and white approach to eating. And you know what? After the affairs episode, this is the one that we've been getting the most feedback on. A lot of people have said that we described kind of their mentality to a T or maybe something that they worked through in the past. And this is debilitating. And and I'm with you guys. And we wanted to go through and expand on this stuff a little bit more. So I wanted to go through and talk about some of the tools that I use to kind of go from an all or nothing dieter to someone who eats, quote, moderation 365 or the exact same every single day of the year. And I have a course actually called Four Week Food Obsession Bootcamp, which we mentioned in the last episode. And I go through a lot of examples, a lot of stories, a lot of uh, different tools and insights in that course. And we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes because I know a lot of you guys are looking for that. You're ready. You feel like you're having the courage to maybe make that jump and release the kind of illusion of control that sometimes eating gives us to move to a more moderate way of doing things. So when I talk about Moderation 365, to me, it's about eating the same on Saturday that you do on Monday. And it's not the exact same foods, but it's the exact same potentially level of satisfaction or level of quote, clean or dirty eating or whatever. So in my previous life, there was a lot of uh, cheat meal, cheat day kind of mentality where I was on or I was off. And I know a lot of you guys have had this experience too, where certain foods are off limits, even you know stuff that I would consider healthy now, like fruit and dairy, and nuts, those kind of things for a long time were off limits to me. And when I wasn't doing a competition diet, I was eating everything because I knew at some point those foods were going to be off limits. So it was this kind of like FOMO, food FOMO, fear of missing out, urgency, scarcity of these foods are gonna be going away at some point because I know I'm gonna be starting another diet at some point. So I need to make sure that I eat them as much as I want. So the cool thing about moderation is that nothing is off limits. And I know for many of us, that can be kind of scary to think about like, okay, Jill, I don't know that I can have certain foods in my house. I don't know if I can be around certain foods. I don't trust myself around certain foods. I don't trust myself at social events or to go to things where there's desserts. I feel like I can't help myself. I either eat it all or I won't eat any at all. And so that's the kind of that deprive and binge all or nothing approach. I know a lot of us have lived there. And the, the really interesting thing about food obsession is that in the neuroses around food is sometimes we don't know that we're there until we're looking back and going like, wow, I didn't realize how extreme it got. And I know for me, like if you had asked me in that moment, was I obsessed with food, I probably would have said no. I would have said I was really dedicated or I would have said I was really regimented or that I was really committed. So I didn't even at the time see the kind of misery and mental energy that it was taking around food. So remember, it's not just the time it's taking to make the food and prep the food. And that can be exhausting too. That's a full-time job in and of itself, but you're always thinking about food. So it's 
when's my next meal? How many protein grams have I had today? How many carbs have I had today? How much water ounces have I had today? It's this constant calculation in your head. And so if you resonate with that, I want to share with you guys some of the tools that I've used and some of the tools that I use in my course to start to overcome this and really start to think about any day of the week as a day that you feel satisfied in your eating, but not stuffed. So one of my favorite things about Moderation 365 is I've literally not been stuffed I haven't had to like open up my pants in like in, in, in probably six years. I haven't felt that feeling of feeling so stuffed into your clothes. I haven't had that feeling in a long time. I haven't had to buy different sizes in clothes for the first time in my adult life. I've, I've actually been in the same clothes for the last five or six years. That never happened. I normally had a range from like size four to size 14. And over the last uh, five or six years, I'm in the same pant size, dress size. And it's really nice knowing that your clothes are just going to fit. And so a lot of these things we don't talk about because there's a lot of shame or embarrassment or even guilt around this. I remember I call this the, the deprive then binge cycle. So for me, it was waking up on Monday and feeling really guilty and kind of grossed out by myself uh, and how I ate over the weekend. So I'd vow to just be super tight, super clean for the week. And the problem with this mentality is it starts off with good intentions, right? Like, oh, I wanna be really clean this week, I wanna really be really healthy. It's just like starting over on Monday, starting over in the new year. We like the idea of starting fresh. We like a clean slate and that feels really good. It feels really organized, right? Maybe on Sunday we go and get all of our food, we make it all and it's all in Tupperwares and it looks really nice in the fridge and we go, okay, I'm gonna finally do it this week. The problem is what I've seen is most people and me included, but the thousands of women that I've worked with, the problem is they go too strict. They go too strict earlier in the week so that by the time they get to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they just can't help themselves because they've been depriving themselves earlier in the week. And so one thing to start to think about is the all or nothing approach keeps us struggling because there's always going to be that equal and opposite rebound anytime we're depriving ourselves or going on these strict diets, whether it's a month from now, three months from now, a year from now, we're always going to have that equal and opposite response or rebound when it comes to overindulging. So whether you're someone who binge eats or someone who just overdoes it at times or feels stuffed into their clothes, like we don't like that feeling. So it makes sense that when we start to feel that way, like, oh, I did it again. I can't believe I did it again. You know, I can't believe I, I ate all that stuff. I am so bad at this. I'm so weak the natural inclination is to want to quote, clean things up. And that's a normal response. The problem with that is it perpetuates the cycle. The all or nothing trap keeps us struggling. There's a ton of psychological implications, things like you know fear of food or uh, the need to earn your food or to use food as a reward or to burn off calories that you just ate. And if you're familiar with this, this is kind of where I lived for a long time. I called it the cardio cycle, where I did a whole bunch of exercise to burn off calories, and then because I was doing so much exercise, I was getting compensatory responses. So I was hungry more, I was craving more. And I remember at one, at one point, literally just trying to prevent myself from eating sweets all day long. And so I would start to eat like diet foods, like sugar-free candy and sugar-free gum and things like that. And I was <laughs> like the worst digestion. I had adult acne. It was all bad. And so we can get into these uh, situations where we don't actually know what else to do. And so it's hard making a switch from all or nothing, which to me is all about control. If I can just control what I eat, then I'll be okay. If I can just control how much exercise I do, then I can be okay. And by okay, that means I'm somehow good enough. However, what I was starting to notice was in the face of, quote, doing this routine, 
it wasn't working. And so week after week after week, I kept thinking if I just keep doing this, eventually I'm going to get it right. The problem was I kept not getting it right. It kept not working. And so I was forced to look at it a different way. So in, in order to break this cycle of deprive then binge or try to quote be perfect, you have to give yourself permission to not be perfect earlier in the week. So you want to kind of smooth out those highs and lows. If you're someone who eats great Monday through Wednesday or Thursday, and then you binge Friday, Saturday, and Sunday like me, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just eat moderately seven days a week? And I guarantee you, you're going to get better results. You're going to actually feel better about yourself. Your clothes are going to fit and you're not going to be so mentally obsessed with food. So really what we're talking about is going from a black and white way of thinking about things to a moderation 365 or eating the exact same day, same way every single day, smoothing out those highs and lows and really about sustainability. So the key is this, being a little less perfect allows for you to be a little more consistent. So look at some things that you consider to be off limits, looking at your food list. Like maybe you have a list of foods that you're just like, oh, I can't have that in the house. I can't be around those foods. As soon as you put a food on a do not eat list, you're putting that food on a pedestal. I'm going to say that again. As soon as you put a food on a do not eat list, you're putting it on a pedestal. And now it becomes this like illicit, scarce feeling of I can't have that. And we know from research that as soon as something is in a do not have, can't have scenario, we're going to want it. We're going to crave it even more. And so, you know, this is a little bit different for people who have maybe food sensitivities. If you're gluten sensitive, dairy sensitive, you know, you have to kind of look out for that stuff because it makes you physically ill. But for most of us, we can have things like nuts and fruit and dairy, and it's not going to kill us and we're not going to gain 50 pounds. I think the scariest thing about giving up the all or nothing approach is that it feels like giving up control. It feels like you're going to go way off the deep end. And I had a huge aha moment. I told this on the last episode of not, not actually prepping my food one day on one week on a Sunday. And that was really scary because it felt like, oh no, I have no rules now. Everything's going to go to shit. I'm going to throw up my hands and just eat whatever. And I saw that I didn't do that. I didn't eat perfectly, but it also gave me some evidence that I can have a week of not eating perfectly and not gain 50 pounds, which is what I think I was really scared of. And so this is really about trust versus control. So the illusion of control of I just control my eating, then I'm good enough. The ultimate in control is trusting yourself in every single scenario, isn't it? I can go out to an event, a social event, and I'm totally comfortable being around any food, and I trust myself not to overindulge. I can go to holidays. I can go to happy hour. I can go stay at someone else's house without having to bring my food all the time. Being able to trust yourself to make the best choice possible wherever you end up is the ultimate in control. It's like, I trust myself regardless, and I know that I'm not going to ever eat perfect again, but I'm always going to make good decisions. So when it comes to food obsession, I go by four different rules. So four rules to me, uh, super important. The first is moderation. So this is always the hardest. People go, okay, Jill, moderation is really hard or moderation feels like failure. Moderation doesn't feel good enough. And moderation, you know, I kind of hate that word because it really is like, it's just amorphous word, right? It's just nebulous. It's like, what does that even mean? You ask one person and they're like, oh, that means you can eat as much chocolate as you want. And then you ask someone else and you're like, well, that means you can, you know, have bites of stuff here and there. So my goal when it comes to moderation is to be able to quantify it. So that's the biggest critique about moderation, right? Is that people go, you can't quantify it. You can't count moderation. You can't, you know, measure moderation. To me, you actually can. You can measure it a couple ways. Uh, and the first is through biofeedback. So actually like tuning in with like how you feel. Are you hungry? 
Are you craving something? How is your energy? Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel stuffed? A lot of times we don't even understand those cues in our body. So one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, oh, just listen to your body. Just eat when you're hungry. If you had told me that when I was obsessed with food, I would have been like, yeah, but like, I don't even know when I'm hungry because I'm eating according to a clock. So one of the things that I always say is that dieting makes us stupider. And I do believe that because it takes away our ability to understand our own body and our unique metabolism and instead says, Hey, eat every three hours. Hey, eat 150 grams of protein every day. Hey, make sure you're not eating carbs after eight. It's like rule after rule after rule. And we kind of start living by those rules instead of actually checking in with how our body feels. And relearning your body's cues takes some time. I actually wrote a blog on hunger and why I think having a little bit of hunger is actually uh, has some usefulness. I think a lot of us, especially with the history of yo-yo dieting, might be scared of getting hungry. We say something like, oh, well, I need to make sure I eat something here because if I go to that party hungry, I'm just going to eat everything. And here's the thing, like you might actually do that once or twice. But the problem is we only understand starving or stuffed. Right now, if we're coming off an all or nothing approach, the only two things that we really understand with our body is, is starving or stuffed. Most people can't figure out the nuance. They can't feel what a three out of 10 hunger is or what an eight out of 10 hunger is. People can't really do that. So we have to practice this. And so moderation for me is always about number one, another, another kind of word for moderation to me is satisfaction. To me, they're synonymous. If I'm eating moderately, I'm satisfied. And by the way, satisfied doesn't mean stuffed. So a lot of people, when you say, oh, just eat to satisfaction, they'll like, well, great. If I can eat whatever I want, I'm definitely going to eat a whole you know, dozen donuts. That's satisfying. And then you have to ask yourself, like, is it really? To me, there's a difference between satisfied and stuffed. I actually don't feel, when I eat a dozen donuts, that doesn't feel satisfying. That feels stressful. That feels like stuffed, like I'm stuffed into my clothes. That's actually not what we're talking about. Satisfaction is eating foods in certain amounts, certain foods in certain amounts that make you feel good. Like I'm good right now. I don't need anything else. And so finding a way to every time you sit down to eat, what I call navigate the middle, navigating the middle. So what does that mean? Example would be, uh, you know, maybe you wake up on Monday morning and you're like, Ooh, I'm just like, I overate on the weekend. I want to make sure I'm super clean today. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna do egg whites and I'm going to do some asparagus and spinach. And I'm going to have maybe, you know, that'll be good. It'll have that be super. And then, but here's the problem. I don't know about you, but egg whites and spinach to me, I need something else. I need like a little something else. I don't need a whole something else. I need like a little something else. So for me, that's not satisfying enough because I know when I get to lunch and if you're someone who loves egg whites and spinach, like the more power to you, I need something else. And I know from practice that by the time I get to lunch, if I'm eating that for breakfast, I'm going to want a sweet or I'm going to want, I'm going to be craving something. And if I try to squash that craving down at lunch, I'm going to get to dinner and I'm going to be ravenous and I'm going to eat like takeout because I haven't been preempting my cravings and I have not been preempting my hunger. So for example, you know, remember meals don't happen in isolation, which means what I choose to eat for breakfast impacts what I will choose to eat for lunch. And what I choose to eat for lunch will impact what I choose to eat for dinner. So what you decide each meal you sit down needs to be a complete satisfaction meal. Doesn't mean stuffed doesn't mean eat everything you want. It means give me a little something to take the edge off. So what I would do is I'd maybe add a yolk to the egg whites and maybe I'd put a little, you know, a uh, sprinkle of cheese. 
as a condiment on my eggs or on my vegetables or a little butter on my vegetables, right? That's not going to make that meal terrible, but it's going to give me a little bit of satisfaction that I didn't have before that now I'm going into lunch and I'm like, you know what? I really felt satisfied by that. So lunch, I'm going to be like, I'm going to have a salad with protein. Maybe I throw a little sprinkle of cheese or maybe some avocado, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit of bacon or something like that, like a little something on my salad. So 90, 95% of my meal is fairly clean and healthy, but that last five to 10% is a little sprinkle of something. Maybe it's a little, you know, maybe it's half of a protein bar, like a chocolate protein bar after the meal. Maybe it's a couple of Hershey kisses after the meal. Again, not totally quote wrecking our diet, but giving us a little bit of something to take the edge off. If you like a Zevia soda, like that might be a good example too. To me, those are totally fine. Having a little bit of something at each meal that takes the edge off is not quote blowing your diet, it's being really smart. Then you get to dinner and you're like, okay, I'm gonna have protein and vegetables. Maybe I'll have a little sweet potato or rice or something like that. And you know what, I'm gonna have, like maybe I'll have a little halo top or maybe I'll have a single glass of red wine or maybe I'll have you know the other half of that chocolate protein bar after dinner. So if you're someone like me who likes to have a little sweet after their meal, I like breaking down protein bars into like seconds or thirds or twos or, or threes. And I know it sounds kind of like maybe that sounds neurotic to you, but to me, I don't need to eat a whole bar in one sitting, especially if it's quote a dessert. I'm going to have a bar that's delicious that has chocolate and peanut butter in it. I'm going to cut that baby in half and I'm going to have half after my lunch and half after dinner. And here's the thing. Are you taking in more calories because you're adding these little condiments and these little, you know, what I call preemptive cheats to your day? Absolutely. However, the calories that you're going to save as a result of not binging because that's the way that you're eating now is not insignificant. I'm going to say it again. You're going to be eating more calories by doing these little preemptive cheats, what I call satisfaction factor, increasing the satisfaction factor of the meal. However, by the time you get to the weekend, on Friday night, you're gonna be like, I'm good. Like, I like the way I eat. I don't have to blow it. I don't have to have a cheat meal. I don't have to have a whole cheat day because I've been satisfied all week long. And that's gonna take some getting used to. So the tool here is navigating the middle every single time you sit down and eating for satisfaction on a scale from one to 10, how satisfying is this meal? Uh, that's what I call satisfaction factor. You want to be as close to a 10 as possible. Remember, satisfied and stuffed are not the same thing. So asking yourself things like, how full am I? How satisfied do I feel? Can I eat now or should I wait 30 minutes, right? These little cues help us get back in touch with our biofeedback and how we're feeling in our body. And also just like try this, the old way of de depriving to binge is always gonna be there, right? Depriving binge is always gonna be there. Cardio machines are always gonna be there. Going on a super strict diet is always gonna be there. So why not take the chance to try something new? You might ask yourself, well, Jill, well, what if I try moderation and I gain a couple of pounds? And I'm like, you're probably going to gain a couple of pounds. But the thing is that you're not gonna gain you know, ad infinitum. It's not like you start eating moderately and all of a sudden you gain 50 pounds or you gain like 10 pounds a week for 50 weeks. Like you might gain three, five, seven pounds, but you're going to stay there. And for me, the price that I had to pay to be able to like gain five pounds at the beginning, but not be mentally obsessed with food, it's like, no-brainer. To me, I have so much more time in my day. I have so much more mental energy to spend on things I actually want. I'm not thinking about food all the time. And here's the cool thing. 
once you start eating moderately and you're not thinking about food as much and you just eat whatever you eat when you eat it, it gives you much more mental energy to put into your workouts and to be more motivated there and change up your workouts. I actually gained a little bit when I started doing moderation 365 and then I actually lost like five to seven pounds within the first couple of years of eating moderately because my body balanced out. My metabolism started being healthier again. My training became more intense again because I liked exercise again. And so you have to give yourself time for that to happen. So if you're totally terrified of gaining two pounds as a result of eating this way and overcoming your food obsession, then you're not ready. You're not ready. You have to kind of be at that point where you're ready to throw your hands up and be like, I'm fine gaining a couple of pounds if it means I don't have to be obsessed and miserable anymore. And so that's really where we're at. If that's not you, then this is not for you. You're not quite there yet. I am of the mind that most people do get there, especially as we age. I think we start to think that there are other things that we want to spend our time and mental energy doing, like growing your business or being there for your family or just like, you know, being able to enjoy your life that you don't want to have obsessive thoughts about eating anymore. So you might want to move to this model. And I think that at that point you'll be ready. So that's number one is eating moderately. The tool is navigating the middle and trying to increase the satisfaction of each single meal so that by the time you reach the weekend, you do not feel the compulsion to binge. Number two is mindfulness. And I know this is word gets tossed around a lot all the time and you might be rolling your eyes. Believe me, I roll my eyes all the time. People are like, just be more mindful. It seems so simple. And it also like my eyes glaze over because here's the thing, like people say that, but what is that even? What does mindfulness mean? Super simple to me. Mindfulness is like the Mac Daddy tool when it comes to food obsession. And you might be like, well, Jill, isn't mindfulness thinking about food? Isn't that the same thing? And it's not. It's actually the opposite of obsession because obsession is a mental, huge mental drain. And the underlying kind of feeling of obsession is anxiety. The anxiety of when's my next meal? Is there going to be enough food? What have I eaten already? How bad am I doing? How many more calories do I have to eat? How much more cardio do I have to do? It's this kind of like the underbelly is anxiety. When it comes to mindfulness, mindfulness is very objective. Mindfulness is like just literally a low level of automated thinking all the time. So it's thinking, yes, but it's like the opposite of obsessive thinking. It's very much like automated. It's kind of like, oh, like I'm just going through the day going like, am I hungry right now? Yes or no? Am I, you know, how hungry am I on a scale from one to 10? How, how full am I feeling right now? Am I craving something? I wonder why I'm craving that. It's very objective. It doesn't attach emotion to things. You don't judge like, oh, I'm super hungry and that's bad because it means I'm not good enough or, oh my God, I'm craving chocolate, which means I'm bad and I'm weak. Uh, basically, mindfulness is just clinical, automated thinking that's happening at, at all times. So to me, mindfulness really slows down time for assessment. It just slows down time for assessment. Things like how full am I right now? How satisfied do I feel? Will this food help me eat less later? Or will I want to eat more later, right? Sometimes we don't even know which food is a trigger for us. Could I happily stop eating now? Am I good to go? You know, do I absolutely need or want to keep going? And so mindfulness is just asking yourself those questions. And so some of the tools that you can use to hone your mindfulness is eating to 80% fullness. Again, one of those eye roll tools. We all hear this, oh, just stop when you're full. It's like, that sounds really easy, Jill, but how do you actually do that? The cue for me to be able to stop at 80% fullness is when I could eat more. I'm going to say it again. The cue for stopping at 80% fullness is that you could eat more. So last night I'm out to dinner with a friend of mine and we get some chips and guac to split just as an appetizer. I probably have a couple of handfuls of chips, some guac. Then we got salads with chicken 
and I'm eating that. And you know what? I could have eaten the whole thing and it wasn't like it was unhealthy, but I was, I was starting to go like, you know, I'm starting to get kind of full. And if I eat this entire thing, I'm going to really feel stuffed. And I don't like the feeling of stuffed. So I'm going to stop. And what I did was I took my napkin and I put it over my food and I pushed the plate away. And so the server knew that I was done. And here's the thing. You know, if you have a problem with wasting food or whatever, I totally get that. But when we talk about mindfulness, it really is about assessing I could still eat more, which is probably why I should stop. And this is a practice, you guys. If you're like, gee, Jill, it sounds like that was easy for you guys. I can tell you I had the biggest appetite of anyone I knew ever growing up. To me, I look at, I used to look around at my friends, like even like junior high school and elementary school and be like, how can these kids, how can that snack have been enough for them? I was always had a huge appetite. I've always had a sweet tooth. I have the cavities to prove it. (laughs) I love sweets. I still love sweets. And so if you're thinking to yourself, well, that sounds great for you, Jill, but I could never do that, or that seems so far away, or it must be nice. Look, it took me three full years to make this shift, and it really came down to trusting myself around certain foods. And so in learning this stuff through practice. So eating to 80% fullness is key. The second tool that I use for mindfulness is what's called intermittent sampling. Intermittent sampling is a very fancy way of saying controlled snacking. So it's basically like it's basically like stra- strategic snacking. So instead of I have a whole bag of popcorn and I'm sitting in front of the couch and I'm watching television and I'm just going to eat this entire bag, it's going, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, uh, like, this is organized snacking. So for me, if I have popcorn, I have a whole bag of it. I'm going to take out a bowl and I'm going to put some popcorn in it and I'm going to put the bag back in the thing and I'm going to go back to the couch and watch TV and I'm going to finish this bowl. And then I'm going to like do some other stuff. And then I'm going to come back and like maybe 20 or 30 minutes later, I'm going to assess. I'm going to assess. That's where the mindfulness piece comes in. I'm going to assess, do I want to have more popcorn? And I'm like, yep, I do. And then I'm going to go back to the bag and I'm going to fill up the bowl again. And I'm going to go back to the couch. And maybe I'm going to watch another show. And I'm going to eat that bowl. And then like, I don't know, do some other stuff. And then 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, I'm going to go, do I want more popcorn? And maybe I do. And if I do, I'll do another bowl. And here's the thing. When you're practicing intermittent sampling, which is just organized snacking, when you're practicing it, the outcome might be the same. The outcome might be, I ate the whole bag of popcorn. By the end of the night, maybe I ate the whole bag of popcorn, but I did it in bowls. So if this sounds really obsessive to you, Think about it from the perspective of at some point you won't have to do all this. At some point you'll just be able to take a handful of popcorn and be totally fine. And that's really what we want to get to. We want to get to, you're like, I'm good. I don't need to polish off the whole thing. That's how you practice mindfulness is going from being able to taste anything without having to devour it. And intermittent sampling is all about the practice. It's not about the outcome. The outcome, again, could be the same, whether you just like take the whole bag to the couch and finish the entire bag without thinking, or you go through and you have like five or six bowls throughout the night, the outcome is the same, you finish the bag. But the practice of going and then leaving and then going and then leaving and then going and then leaving is what we're practicing. And over time, the exposure to having the bag of popcorn around all the time releases the illicitness of that food. So this is called exposure therapy. Exposure therapy is where they've actually they've actually done mindfulness studies where they brought people into an all-you-can-eat buffet, like people who are overweight and obese, brought them into all-you-can-eat buffets and had them practice mindfulness. Instead of just going, okay, and we'll talk about this next tool in a second, instead of just going like, oh my God, it's free food. I'm gonna eat everything I want. I have to get my money's worth. They had people practice taking things, going back to their seat, finishing them, and then actually assessing, do I actually want more? 
And that's all mindfulness is. Mindfulness is just slowing down enough for an assessment. That's why that popcorn example is just an example of slowing down time for an assessment of do I actually want more or no? And I think when a lot of us are practicing, and by the way, when you practice this, it doesn't take long. Mindfulness is one of those things that you practice for like a couple weeks and then all of a sudden you wake up like six months later and you're like, I'm, I'm always mindful. I'm always aware of how hungry I am. I'm always aware of how much I'm craving. I'm always aware of how full I am. I stop at 80% fullness automatically now. And so those are some tools that I think about. You might have to check in with your body. So one thing you could do is you could set your phone, a timer on your phone for like every three hours or every two hours. And when that alarm goes off on your phone, you just ask yourself, how hungry am I right now? On a scale of one to 10, how hungry am I? Could, should I eat or could I wait another 30 minutes? That's all mindfulness is. Mindfulness is just a check in with your body and you have to practice this, right? We, we lose our ability to hear what our body wants. So when someone says, just eat when you're hungry and you're like, yeah, but how? Because most of us have lost the ability to do that. And so this is going to bring us back to being able to check in with our body. And we do that through the biofeedback. How hungry am I? Am I craving right now? What's my energy like? How full do I feel? That's all mindfulness is. It's just asking those questions. And over time, you start to get more used to this. And it just happens, again, automatically, which is why mindfulness is what I consider to be automated thinking versus obsessive thinking. Automated thinking is easy, right? It's automated. Obsessive thinking is anxiety producing totally different. Okay. Tool number three is abundance around food. So abundance around food. Normally we, especially if you've grown up in a household where food is maybe scarce or there's not enough food or you're uh, fighting for food with your brothers and sisters, a lot of times it comes down to, and it produces feelings of FOMO, FOMO, F-M-F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And so a lot of us operate with scarcity around food without even knowing it. So maybe it's from your grandmother telling you to finish your plate, or maybe it's someone telling you not to waste food, or maybe it's, um, you know, again, just being worried that it's not going to be enough or going hungry at times. And so a lot of times we might feel like there's urgency and scarcity around food. We might do things like buy extra because we're worried that there's not going to be enough or we need to finish our plate because what if there's not enough later? We need to eat now because when we go to that event later, what if there's not stuff we can eat? So we're doing a lot of this like kind of preemptive stuff, scarcity. What if there's not enough food? One way that this can materialize is in what I call situational eating. So situational eating is where you feel compelled to eat something just because you're at an event that this food is associated with. So for example, when you go to the movies, you might say to yourself, well, you know, I have to get popcorn, I'm at the movies. And my whole thing is there's nothing wrong with popcorn, by the way. It's just asking yourself, like, do I actually want that? And if you do, amazing, totally cool, don't judge it, but don't just get popcorn because you're at the movies. Don't just get fried dough because you're at the state fair. Don't just eat grandma's apple pie because this is the only time you're gonna get it all year. It's fine if that's what you want to do, but also just the assessment and the discernment that comes with that and realizing that the desire to have to eat all the food right now is just in your mind. It's perpetuated by the all or nothing mentality. So if you've ever done what I call the Sunday night roundup, Sunday's like the day that you get all the junk out of the house, right? Because you go, oh, Monday morning, I'm starting over. So I remember I used to have cookies and cakes and, you know, chips and desserts and all this kind of stuff. And I used to just eat it all on Sunday. I was like, you know what? I just need to eat all this so that it's just out of the way. It's just like out of sight, out of mind. I'm just going to, I call it the Sunday night roundup. So we're perpetuating the all or nothing approach by doing stuff like that. What if you just woke up on Monday and like there were still chips in your 
thing and there were still cookies on the counter and there was still candy available, you know, you could start to see that you have more of an abundance around food because you're not having to preempt it with at some point this food is going to be off limits. When you just go, any food is available to me anytime, then that's a really nice place to live. Look, if you go to an event, and I used to be like this all the time, I used to be so scared there wasn't gonna be enough food somewhere, I was starving, and I would go and get like multiple things to bring because I was just worried. And sometimes we just wanna eat, we wanna eat, and I get that too. But here's the thing, most of us have, you know, eyes that are bigger than our stomachs. So when you're practicing mindfulness, a lot of times you might get to a place and there's plenty of food, and you don't have to get more. Or maybe you skip a dessert when you're out to dinner, you skip a dessert and you get home and you're like, oh, I really wish I had that dessert. I could really use a sweet right now. Guess what? You can go out to the store and buy a sweet right now, right? You don't just have to eat candy because it's Halloween. I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. You don't have to just eat a bunch of candy because it's Valentine's Day. If you want to, that's totally cool, but be mindful about it. Be discerning when it comes to that stuff. So tools to break the mindset is realizing, and my mantra for many years now has been, there's always more where that came from. There's always more where that came from. I can always go get the thing. I don't need to have grandma's apple pie right this second because if I want apple pie next week, I can literally just go out and get it. So trying to inoculate ourselves from what other people think we should be eating too, right? There's the concept of what I call calorie matching, where you're in a social situation and you feel like because someone, one person is eating a certain way that you also will eat that way. And it's totally cool because we're eating the equivalent badness, right? We're eating to the equivalent level of dirtiness. Instead of being autonomous in your decisions and going, do I actually want that or am I feeling pressure to eat that? Am I feeling pressure because I know that my aunt, you know, made this lasagna and I know she's looking at me like I need to eat the whole thing? That might not be what you want to do. And so be autonomous in your decision and be discerning. If you want more, you can get food. Any food is available anytime. And so when you're eating Moderation 365, it makes it so that no foods are ever off limits. So you can resist the urge to like tighten up because you don't have to. Any food is available to you anytime. And when any food is available to you anytime, the illicitness and those foods that we put up on those pedestals just kind of, it just loses it. It dissipates, right? It loses its urgency because we know that I can have any food anytime and we don't have to eat all of it right now. And so abundance mindset around food is key. And so we might have some old school things we have to start unlearning. Anytime you're like buy one, get one. Anytime it's two for one, food wasting implications. You know, the idea that you have to get the most out of an all-inclusive vacation. I know for a lot of people, it's like, well, it's all-inclusive or it's all you can eat. So you have to get, quote, your money's worth. That's not actually serving you. And so we have to undo a lot of these scarcity prompts. Look, I'm a marketer. So for me, I get that scarcity works. The problem is that it's not serving us. That marketing's, you know, marketing food marketers know what the deal is. They're going to get you to buy and eat that whole thing, that sweet, salty, you know, chocolatey, sugary thing. They want you to eat all of it so you come back and you get more. So we have to start discerning and getting a little bit smarter about this stuff. Abundance mindset around food is key. And then the last tool that I want to talk about is DNCs or daily nutritional commitments. DNC, daily nutritional commitments. And these are three daily eating behaviors that you are going to find 
for you that works to keep you on track every day. So the problem with this, the reason why I came up with DNCs is because so many of us have a million rules we're trying to always follow. So if I asked you to take out a piece of paper and write down all the nutrition rules that you think you quote should be following, most of us would have like 10, 20, 30 rules. No carbs after 8 p.m. No, uh, I need to get a gallon of water every day. I need to eat a gram of protein per pound of body weight. I need to get six servings of vegetables. I need to have all these supplements, right? We would have all these things. We got to have green tea. We got to, you know, keep it to one cup of coffee, like a million different rules that we're trying to implement. And the problem with that is we get so overwhelmed and we get so paralyzed that we don't do any of it. I remember towards the end of my dieting career feeling so paralyzed because I didn't know how to eat. I literally did not know how to eat. And because there were so many rules, I was so scared to break them all the time that I wouldn't do any of them. So of course, the only approach I have is all or nothing because it's like it's too mentally draining to try and follow 30 rules. So what I wanted to do in the interest of implementation and the implement in the interest of consistency and compliance was break it down to three big things because here's what most of us miss. Most of us miss the fact that not all eating behaviors weigh the same in terms of leverage. So what I mean is some eating behaviors are big dial movers. They'll either change, they'll make things easier for us. They change our physique. They make us, they uh, maybe stabilize our energy. Maybe they decrease our hunger and cravings. These are big dial movers. And then other nutrition decisions don't really have any discernible impact. We don't really know. So for me, you know, at one point I was trying to switch from, and I still like stevia, but sometimes I was like, oh my God, I can't have, you know, a Splenda because, you know, I need to have stevia. And I was like really anxious about it. I was carrying a bunch of stevia packets in my bag and that's totally cool. But sometimes I'm just at a coffee shop and they don't have stevia. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have a Splenda. I don't keep Splenda at my house, but I think for a lot of us, we go like, oh my God, I can't have artificial sweeteners. And, you know, they've been showing this and that. Honestly, I don't really notice a difference. I, I like Splenda better. I don't keep it at my house. I use Stevia. But for me, there's not a discernible difference when I use Splenda versus Stevia. When I buy uh, a jar of peanut butter, whether it has salt or no salt, not a big deal. I do not notice a discernible difference. However, here's the problem is I, a lot of us spend a lot of mental energy on these tiny, tiny, tiny decisions that don't change the outcome. So DNCs are three eating behaviors that you will do daily that move the needle. They move the needle for you so that when you do them consistently, you stay pretty good on track. So these are going to be the big dial movers. So things like this for me, number one is protein. These don't have to be yours, by the way. DNCs are unique to you. When I get enough protein, I feel great. I feel satisfied. My uh, blood sugar stays stable so I don't have like slumps in the afternoon. If I'm getting enough protein, I feel really good. So for me, protein, I don't care. I have protein every meal. I don't say I need to have 30 grams of protein and let me like, you know, count and measure. I don't do that kind of stuff. I just go, does this thing have protein or not? Is it, does there protein in this meal or no? Does this protein bar have at least 10 grams of protein? Great. So for me, and now I know that kind of stuff, so it's it's a no-brainer. When I'm when I'm skimping on protein, I get hungry, I get lethargic. So knowing that about yourself. The second thing that I do every day is my DNC is I have a huge salad. I call it a BAS or a big ass salad. And I have a BAS because I know that if I don't get any other vegetables throughout the day, I got at least five or six servings in that salad. Sometimes I'll break it up and make it into two smaller meals. It just depends on how I'm feeling. But I always have a BAS every single day, whether I dine out or I go to Whole Foods or I make it at home. 
always have a BAS and I get those veggies because I know if I'm getting fiber, I'm getting enough there, I'm getting micronutrients and I feel great as a result of that. I just crave like the mouthfeel of vegetables too. And then the third thing that I do is I have protein bars on hand. I use protein bars sometimes because if I'm out and about and I'm maybe out for a while and I get hungry, it's a good option for me to keep. And I know it's gonna be fairly, a little bit healthier than maybe going through the drive-through. But the second reason I use protein bars is because it takes the edge off. Honestly, protein bars right now like are fairly healthy and they taste like candy candy bars. So if you're looking at a protein bar to get, make sure it has, you know, maybe a little bit less sugar, maybe more fiber, maybe more protein. And for me, I'll have like a half or a third after each one of my meals, or just like I'll be walking by the cabinet and have like a little bite or two because it has chocolate and I know myself and I like sweets. I like sweets and I like chocolate. So for me, I need to have a little bit of chocolate every day. And the protein bar allows me for do that. And it's not obsessive. It actually helps me practice mindfulness because I take a little bit here, a little bite here, a little bite here. We always joke in my house that there's always like half protein bars all over the place because that's how I operate. And so protein bar for me is, uh, I wouldn't call it a crutch, but it is definitely a tool. And so those are my three DNCs. These are gonna be unique to you and they're gonna be based on personal preference, your schedule, your likes, your dislikes, your psychological sensitivities, your you know metabolism even. How do I do on this food? Maybe you're like, Jill, that's great, but I can't do protein bars or I can't do a salad like that. Totally cool, you don't have to. But you wanna think about your DNCs meeting these three criteria. Three criteria, number one, I call them the three E's. Number one, they need to be, it needs to be enjoyable. So you have to actually like the food. For me, I love a big ass salad. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best. There's cheese on it. Maybe there's avocado or, you know, there's nuts or something like that. It's just, I love the taste of my salad. Believe me, your food needs to taste good. If there's something you're eating that you dread eating it, you're not going to be eating it for long. So look at the way you're eating and go, can I see myself eating like this forever? So it needs to be enjoyable. Chances are you're probably already doing it. Number two, it needs to feel effortless. So again, you're probably already doing it. Is it a protein shake that you make after the gym that you just love and it's so delicious? Is it something that works through your schedule? Like maybe it's something at your cafeteria at work that you can get. It needs to feel effortless. And the third thing is effectiveness and effectiveness for your goals. So this is the probably the least important, the only reason being, because if we don't have enjoyment and we don't have effortlessness, then we're not gonna be able to implement something for goal for our long-term goal, right? So effectiveness for what is your goal? Maintenance, is it fat loss? And this is gonna take some time to tweak, so you need to figure out what those things are. For me, some of my DNCs are preemptive cheats, having some cheese on my salad, right? If I'm having a protein, you can bet it's gonna be marinated in something, right? Maybe it's a chicken or it's a steak or whatever. And you know, if you're vegetarian or vegan, you can figure this stuff out because no matter how you eat, the one thing that all of us need to be aiming for is satisfaction. So doing your best, right? So your DNCs, of course, you're gonna eat more stuff throughout the day. It's not you just eat these three things, but it helps you stay on track with the other stuff. I know if I have a big ass salad, if I get enough protein and I have protein bars on hand, then I'm probably not gonna go off the rails. Yeah, every once in a while I'm gonna do like a froyo or whatever, but honestly, like most of the time I'm pretty good. I might like overdo the alcohol here and there, but it's not all the time. It's not what it would be if I was doing the deprive and binge. Believe me, I was eating way more junk food when I was depriving and binging, way more. Stuff that like now I wouldn't even recognize as like foods that I liked. But because at one point those things were off limits, like crackers and chips, like I'm not even into that stuff, but I was eating them because they were off limits. So now, 
I eat way more regular and I'm eating for satisfaction and I know any food is available to me anytime. So it releases the, the, you know, urgency to eat it all right now is completely dissipated. So doing your DNCs helps you stay mostly on track. And as for the rest, do your best, right? As for the rest, do your best. Don't freak out about, I had a couple of handfuls of nuts. Like, you know, you guys, you're not going to get fat off almonds, but it's hard because when we're in that mentality, that's how we think. And remember, nothing is ever irreversible. Nothing is ever irreversible. The old way will always be there. But this is a really important, important episode because I want to give you guys actual tools to be able to implement this stuff. Because you do not do a program for 30 days, you eat forever. You do not do a program for 30 days, you eat forever, don't you? And so we have to figure this out. So if you guys are interested in learning more, make sure you check out the four week food obsession bootcamp. It's jillfit.com forward slash F O B C. Um, we'll make sure that we have that in the show notes, but if you guys just start implementing this stuff, if you guys want more of this, just go to jillfit.com. And then in the top right hand search bar, just type in nutrition and you'll get the nutrition category in my blog. And there's literally dozens, probably hundreds of blogs all about this kind of stuff, broken down every single tool, every single, you know, insight or story is there for you. There's a whole education on there. It's not impossible. I want to tell you that no matter how far away you feel from being able to actually do this, that you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And if you had told me, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, just to eat moderately, I wouldn't have understood that. I would not have gotten that. I would have felt helpless to learn how to do that. And in fact, if I'm honest, I wouldn't even wanted to do it. It didn't seem hardcore enough, but I can tell you now, having gone through the transformation, I literally hardly ever think about food. The amount of time and energy I spend on food is like so minimal that sometimes I know when people say like, I forgot to eat, like sometimes I forget to eat, which is so absurd to me considering how obsessed I was at one point and how hungry I was all the time. And so I think figuring this out takes some time. It's a practice. You're not going to learn how to eat moderately in two weeks or in four weeks. It's probably going to take a minimum of a year. So you have to ask yourself, am I willing to do this for a year to figure this all out so that for the rest of my life, I don't have to stress about it? Or am I going to continue to do what I've always done? And if, if you're not quite there yet and you're not ready to make the switch, that's totally cool too. But I just want to let you guys know that it's not impossible and it's a practice. And if you feel helpless and you feel discouraged and you feel defeated, you have to have trust in yourself that you can do this and you can make the shift. And honestly, I've worked with hundreds of women who have made this switch. It's not impossible. Okay, cool. So that's it for today's. Hopefully that's helpful for you guys. We'll make sure in the show notes to reference everything, but thank you for being here and for being courageous enough to delve into some of this stuff. I know it's uncomfortable, but you guys are the best and I've just so much appreciated your feedback and your, the reviews that you guys have left. Make sure if this is useful for you that you leave us a review and make sure that you give us, you know, maybe rate us on iTunes and share this with a friend. If you know someone is struggling with this, share this episode with them because to me, it is so much more common than we think it is. And it's a lot of this stuff is happening behind closed doors. And a lot of people feel shame and guilt and self-disgust and they're beating themselves up. And I get that because I was doing that too. So give this to someone who could use this information and who can start down that path. And just so you guys know, we're here for you. Go to thebestlifepodcast.com so you can join our discussion. We have a closed Facebook group. It's a free group where we're talking about the episodes. So go and check that out, thebestlifepodcast.com and join us over there for the after discussion, the debrief. All right, you guys, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. <music>